Welcome to the Legacy House Podcast. Our mission as a church is to equip people to know God, live free, and find purpose. We express the mission of our church through adoration, biblical teaching, creativity, and discipleship. We have prepared this message for you, and we know God is going to use it to minister to you wherever you are and in whatever situation you're going through. Tonight we have uh, our, our, our Sunday night service as well. We announced to our home team today. Um, we're going to be continuing those uh, through the month of March as well. They've just been awesome on Sunday nights. We have absolutely uh, loved them. They, I, they've been great. I, I've had so much fun uh, on a Sunday night, and it's just been, I don't know, it's just it's just been different. Last week, last Sunday night, we talked about prayer and uh, we talked about kind of the fruit that comes from prayer. And really, if we're going to build the house that God is calling us to build, because that's what this whole series that we've been in over the last few weeks have been, has been about is building the, ho- the house that God builds. So if we're going to build the house that God builds, what does that look like? And really, it has to be a house that is rooted on a foundation of prayer has to be a house that is, that is grounded in a foundation of prayer. And we talked about how prayer is, is, is important, not just because it's a, it's a biblical concept, but how prayer is important because prayer produces fruit inside of our life. It's one thing to think about something. It's another thing to pray about it. Uh, I think that's why the Bible says to worry about nothing and to pray about everything. I'm a worrier by nature. It's, it's easy for me to worry. It's easy for me to get stressed. It's easy for me to feel overwhelmed. But I can do the same thing. I, I can think about the same issue or I can pray about the same issue. And I've found in my life, which is not something special about me, but it's just simply the biblical principle that as I pray, I'm connecting myself to the heart of God. I'm connecting myself to the nature of God. And so because of that, some things begin to be uh, manifest in my life. And uh, we should, uh, I, it looks like that, the podcast from last Sunday night um, will, will go up uh, sometime this week. And, uh, and you can listen to that if you weren't here, uh, you weren't here uh, last Sunday night. And we talked about a few things that came out of that. But today we're kind of continuing our series, The House That God Builds. And we've only got this week and next week left. And then uh, we'll be done with this series. And it's been awesome because we really kind of tried to establish now what is God building in our house. Like when we talk about, we look at, we think about Legacy House, what, what does that mean? When we forget even Legacy House, but when we look at our own lives, what does it mean? When, I, when I'm building my life, what am I really building? The Bible talks a lot about building. It talks a lot about uh, what it means to build, the, the foundations we've been called to build on, the nature of a builder. It talks talks about all kinds of different things. And today I really want to talk even a little bit specifically about our house. Like when we look at our house and the things that God is calling us to, what, what are some of the, like the DNA core values of who we are? What makes, what makes you, you? If God created you unique and he created you uh, authentically different, then what is it about you that is authentically different? Well, I don't know. If the answer is, I don't know, then let's find out. Because God wants to use whatever the unique and authentic nature of who you are is. He wants to use it as something that will be manifest in your life. So if you've got a pen or a notebook that you can take some some notes down with us today, uh, I I would encourage you to do so. And uh, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is where we're going to start off today. And... um, Actually, let's go, to, let's go to Luke chapter 18 first. We're going to start in Luke. I changed my mind. We're going to start in the B today. And uh, we're going to look at a few different things that I, I really kind of 
I want us to be, want us to be clear on uh, about, about just the nature and the culture and the DNA of what God wants to do in a house. You know, your house is, is uniquely your house. Um, you ever, maybe with like your grandparents or something like that, you ever had homes that they, you know, like they just always have a certain smell? Like just some homes always have a certain smell. Some it's like a good smell, you know what I mean? Like, like some you walk in, like my parents' house, like it just, it always smells good. You walk in, it just always smells good. And there's some places that like you could be blindfolded and someone could lead you into the place and you would know exactly where you are. Right. Like there was a, a church that I worked at in, in Baton Rouge for a while and it, their 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 North Campus just always smelled the same way. Like it just had it's like still to this day, I'm sure you could blindfold me, walk me into that building and I would know where I was. It just had a certain smell. And really, the word talks a lot about that. And, and today we're going to kind of talk about almost that idea of what is your what is your smell? Uh, have you ever been around somebody who did not realize that they smelt bad. I was in youth ministry for 10 years, folks. I spent a decade around people who did not realize that they smelt bad. And it's funny because there's, you know. All right. Uh, there's, we're going to keep switching microphones. Uh, but we, there, it's funny because, like, we don't realize that, uh, we don't realize that, that, like, when you're in a room full of middle school students, and, and they begin to jump up and down for a long period of time in very close quarters. It does not matter how good your AC is, eventually it is going to begin to smell like hamburger helper in that room. And, and I'm not talking like, talking like fresh hamburger helper. I'm talking like I cooked this last week, I think, hamburger helper. And, and it's funny because like it's unfortunate because it's always that person, it was always that kid in youth ministry who would want to come talk to you after the service about two inches away from you. Hey, Pastor Curtis, I'm really glad to be here tonight. And they're just like permeating like old taco meat. Like it, it's just the smell. And, and it was funny because you're like, like, brother, I love you, but like I, I've got some body spray in some, I'll go to, I'll take you to CVS right now. Uh, and, and it's funny only because we've all experienced it. And we don't realize often that in our own lives, we are emitting some sort of aroma. The Bible talks about how our praise is an aroma before the Lord. It, 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 it's a, it, it, it ascends to heaven as really a, a fruit of our life. And in all of our lives today, I really believe that what we are doing is, is we are exemplifying God, not just through our words, but through really the smell or the aroma that our life is producing. Really, it, it, it's important that we look just beyond our words. I, I know a lot of people, and I, I've done the same thing in my life countless times, where I've been really, really good at saying all the right things at just the right time, but not really having the fruit of that manifest in my life. I've been really good at knowing what to say and when to say it. And like, if I nod my head like this, and, and if I say, yeah, I'm great, praise God. Like, I'm just, you can say you're blessed and highly favored and not actually be blessed and highly favored. You can say, but I am full of, I am full of joy today. My cup is full and running over, and your cup can feel bone dry, and you are lying to everybody around you. And, and that's probably often the reason that somebody asks is because they look at you, and it looks like your cup is dry, and then you're telling them that your cup is full. And you're like, oh, my cup's full and running over today. Like, I remember that. We used to have, there was this kid in youth ministry, and um, they, like, it, 
this person, uh, I'll try to be as totally nondescript as possible in case they listen to podcasts, but um, like they would, they would always, I would always find them on a Wednesday night, hunkered down somewhere in the building, sitting on, against the wall, and they would like look around to wait to see when somebody was coming. And as soon as somebody started walking their way, they'd put their head down and just be like, <sighs> and they'd sit there and try to look as disheveled and like dejected as possible just because like my life's falling apart. And every single Wednesday night without fail, and you'd stop and you'd ask them, hey, no, I'm fine. You're like, no, you're not. You're clearly not fine. Like, what's going on? Nothing's going on. You're like, no, you, you saw me coming and then put on the show. Like, obviously, there's something going on here. Obviously, you need something. And we can live our lives that way where we kind of repeat this cycle of not really living the life that Christ has not just called us to live, but has empowered us to live. Not just the life that like we, we can hear about and we read in our scripture and we find in the word of God, but, but we, we, we can kind of leave the things in the word as the word. Like, this is great. Like, I, I'm glad that Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press, but you don't know my situation. You don't know the house that God has given me. The house that God has given me is falling apart. I would love a house with a pool, but I don't have a house with a pool. I'd love a house with a garage for Pete. I'd love a house for Pete's sakes. Like whatever it is. And we can always find the thing that we don't have rather than realizing the thing that God has blessed us with. Man, and it's so frustrating. Like, it's tiring. Like, I, I had somebody ask me one time, they said, don't you just ever get tired of being frustrated? And I was like, now that you bring it up, yeah. I'm real tired. It's like, then, then why? You know, often we read our Bible and we hear about the promises of God and we look at the things that great men and women of God did and we look at it through all the scripture and we're like, man, this is amazing. Like, you see this, you see this, you see this, but it's not my life. I wish that was me. Wait, you, you wish you had leprosy? Like, you wish, well, he got healed. I'm still stuck over here, like, with... $1,500 in my bank account and like a bunch of butts to clean. And like, I, that, and you feel like you get all these needs and no answer, butts to clean. Sorry, I've got two girls. My girls have hand, foot, and mouth right now. There's blisters everywhere uh, and it's bad. Uh, Harbor is, that's why Bethany's not here today. She's home with the girls and they are, Harbor is covered in blisters. Yeah, I know. It's, it really is pretty sad. Um, but she's like been laughing and running around and stuff. And it just, it, it's sad. So they're home and you can thank me later because your kid is here and you don't want the same thing. And, uh, and so, uh, we, she's home with the girls today. And it, it, and it's funny because we can look at our word and we can find, and we can see the scripture and we can, we can compare it to our life. And often our life feels a lot less miraculous. Our life feels a lot less powerful. Our life feels a lot less dynamic. We don't feel that we see God moving in the same way. In Luke chapter 18, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And it says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. It says, there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. It says, the widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I do not fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. Isn't that a funny line? Like this guy's like, look, I don't care about God. I don't care about people, but you're driving me nuts. And uh, he says, look, he didn't fear God or care about people, but he said, this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out 
with her constant request. Verse six, it says, then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out for him day and night. He says, he will, keep put, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will, find, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Can I just pray for us this morning? Father, we thank you today. God, for what you're doing. Lord, we pray that your word, God, would be clear today. Father, we pray that you would speak, God, to us. God, we pray that your, your, your word would be living and breathing and active to us this morning. We give you, but we just pray, God, that, that we would hear what it is, God, that you want to say. Lord, we love you today. We give you praise and we give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. It's interesting because we, 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 when we begin to talk about the idea of building a house, maybe if you've ever built a house before, you, you realize that building a house isn't necessarily the quickest process. Um, often there can be a lot of red tape that you have to cut through. A lot of things can be backordered or delayed or, or design can change midstream. And when you're building a house, there really is something that is needed. And that thing that is needed is persistence. It's a, it's a willingness and a hunger to finish. Um, it's one thing to, to pour the foundation, then it's another thing to, to frame up the house, and then it's another thing to run the electrical and put the insulation in, and then begin to hang the sheetrock. It, it, it's step after step, moment after moment. And I believe that when we begin to understand the house that God desires for us to build, He desire to, that desires us to be persistent builders. Jesus is sitting around with his disciples and he begins to teach this idea out of Luke chapter 18. And he begins to talk to them about this idea of a persistent widow. He says, look, this widow, she, she, she needed justice and she kept going to this unjust judge. And she repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly kept putting in the same request. And finally, this persistent widow got the ruling that she desired simply because she was persistent. She was willing to continue all the way till the end. She wasn't just in it for the, the, the moment to where you start and you ask one time and the judge shut her down and she just said, well, I guess it wasn't meant for me. But she continued to persist moment after moment, day after day, until this judge ruled in her favor. For us to build the house that God is desiring for us to build in our families, in our homes, as a church, we have to be the type of people who will be persistent. The type of people who don't just wake up one day and allow the weather outside or our bank account or our emotions or our relationships to determine whether or not we will pursue the thing that God has placed in our heart. There will always be reasons to quit. There will always be reasons to quit. And honestly, the reasons to quit in the natural will always stack up greater than the reasons to keep going. The reasons to keep going are much more difficult to find sometimes because of our culture, our society, our experiences, our hurt, whatever it might be. And we can look around and we can find a thousand reasons why we should just stop. But as we're one week away from finishing our House That God Builds series, I believe that it was important that we talk about persistence. I've got three things I want to share with you this morning that I believe are important for us. And I believe that are in are important when we talk specifically about being persistent. 
You know, I, I believe that we have a responsibility, even in our own personal lives with the Lord, not just to wake up in the morning and say, hey, God, I, I, I love you today. And we wait for him to respond back with the I love you. And then we know that, you know what, I'll give you my best today. I love the verse that it says, that if anyone knocks and will keep on knocking, I will open the door for them. That really is the best way to say it. It says, if you, if you knock, the door will be open. Anyone who seeks will find. Anyone who asks shall receive. But really, you could read that verse probably more accurately to say, anyone who knocks and will keep on knocking. Anyone who says, look, God, are you there? No answer. I knew he wasn't there. Knew he wasn't there. Knew he wasn't going to answer the door. He never answers the door. Like it's my, my wife will sometimes call me and she's like, why do you never answer your cell phone? She's like, why do we have a cell phone if you don't answer your cell phone? I'm like, it was on vibrate. Which, why do we all, let's be honest, let's have a side note. Why do we all have cell phones and keep them on vibrate all the time? Or some people just keep it on silent all the time. Like, it doesn't even vibrate. Like, what's the point of people trying to get in contact? I don't know. I do it. I should probably let the Lord change my heart. Uh, but, like, it's funny because we, we have all of these methods and means for, for contact. And, and, and we want people... Uh, we want to judge how people can reach us, and we want to kind of set the parameters for how people can reach us. But when we desire to reach the Lord, if he doesn't knock on the first answer, like if he doesn't answer on the first knock, then we can often feel like, God, where are you? I've, been, I've given you a year. Noah built the ark for 100 years before he saw the rain. Lord, I... I I, I asked like three times. And one time, I'm pretty sure I cried. Like, it was, it was either that or the tacos, but like, I cried, Lord. And that's got to count. We can kind of live our life in this manner. It's like, Lord, I knocked. I knocked to what made sense to me. And we live our lives out of this place of what makes sense. Surely God wouldn't want that. Like, surely, surely the Lord wouldn't want me to lay that down. Like, surely the Lord doesn't want to deal with that area of my life. Like, surely, like, surely, right? Like, God wants me to come and to receive and to be filled up so that my cup can be full and overflowing. And I'm just going to go out here and he just wants me to live a blessed life and feel blessed and be blessed and drive blessed things and live in blessed homes. And he wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. He doesn't want you to be blessed so that you can hoard your blessings, but he wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. And here this persistent widow, Jesus is beginning to teach his disciples. And I believe the reason Jesus was teaching his disciples was because clearly this was a principle they were not understanding. Isn't it crazy that the people who were walking the closest to Jesus still had so much to learn? And here they are, they're walking along, and Jesus says, look, this widow, she continued until she received her answer. I think the first thing Jesus was trying to teach his disciples was this, and you can write this down. It's not going to be on the screen, but you can write this down. I'll say it twice if I need to. Number one is a commitment to completion. A commitment to completion. You will never finish something that fear prevents you from starting. You will never finish something that fear prevents you from starting. I remember before we moved over here and um, we had packed up our house and we packed it all up in the moving truck the night before and uh, it was our last day at our house there in Austin and, and um, it was one of those so weird, surreal moments where you realize 
you're stepping out in faith. You've probably had those moments before in your life where like you, you see faith in front of you. Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes you don't realize you're operating out of faith. You know, sometimes you're like Gideon, you're just doing your job and then all of a sudden God's like, boom, begins to show up in your life. But then sometimes clearly there's that line drawn in the sand of like, I'm about to step into the unknown. And I remember standing in my house and, and it was just me and Bethany. There's no one else. And, uh, and Bethany's walking around. She's videoing the house and, and, and you know, just so like we could, you know, because you don't want to forget that was our first house we owned and stuff. And so Bethany's walking around and she's, she's videoing the house. And I'm just like, I walk upstairs and I'm just standing upstairs. And you have that moment where you say, what am I doing? What am I doing? I had a beautiful house, great job, satisfied, felt closer to the Lord than I'd ever felt in my entire life. But God had clearly drawn a line in the sand and said, will you follow me? And I remember standing there in that house and I was like, Lord, I don't know that I can do this. I, I don't, I don't, and I didn't even know what this looked like at that point. I, I didn't know, I didn't know what, what all this would contain. I told somebody yesterday, I said, you know, but I remember standing in that house and I said, Lord, I know that there's nothing ministry can't do. And it's funny because like I made a mistake early in youth ministry. I had a best friend of mine who I was convinced that if I could, if I could get him on board, then we could, we could, we could change the world. Five years of youth ministry, he never came to one service. And I was confused because I spent a whole year, really, investing everything right there. I was like, this is, this is who I need. I know who I need. And I invested and I invested and I invested and I invested. And then God very quickly began to align and said, no, this is who you need. This is who I'm bringing into your life. This is what's going on. I think so many times in our hearts and in our lives and just in our daily walk, we can begin to examine who and what we think we need. And God knows greater than us. Really, all he's asking is, will, be, will we be willing to take the step? You know, when me and Bethany left the house that day, we, uh, we had to drive two separate cars. Um, I, I drove the rental truck or the moving truck, and, and she drove our, our, our little SUV behind us. And we were driving down the interstate. And it's weird because like here we're making like the biggest move of our entire life to leave the season of youth ministry, step into the role of being a lead pastor. And like you just left your house for the very first time. And then for the next 10 hours, you're going to ride alone in a car. You know, the worst thing to do when you ride alone in a car is to put on like an Adele album. And you're just like, you're just like sitting there, like just slowly like crying to yourself. You're like, hello. Like you're just like driving down the road, like trying not, like just trying to see through the tears. You're just like, you know, and it's weird because you're like, it's this moment of feeling like, God, I know I'm doing exactly what you've called me to. And God, what in the world am I doing? And I believe that's the moment that God, and I believe that's the spot that God wants us to truly live at. Because there's never a place that I have felt more connected to the Lord than when I'm standing at those moments. Where it's, God, I know everything about this is you. And Lord, I know that there's nothing about this that I can do. 
Lord, I know, I know I need you with everything inside of me. And Lord, I know that I have no clue how to accomplish what you're putting in front of us. God is desiring us to be committed to completion. But often long before we'll start, the enemy wants to paralyze us with fear. And we can never finish something that fear prevents us from starting in the first place. Often the area that God is desiring to lead you into the most is gonna be the area that the most fearful of. I just, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do good in front of people. Maybe God is wanting to lead you into a place in front of people. No, 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 he doesn't, he don't wanna, he was just, he likes me to be back here, like, like peeking like behind the curtain. Like, no, he likes me back. No, maybe, maybe the thing that is the most scary of like, what if God did this? What if that's what he wants to do? He wouldn't ask me to go to the mission field. Like, God knows, I've got a good job. I work at Navy Federal with 8,000 other people. Like, he needs me there. Like, he, he might, he might. And that might be the mission field that God has called you to, but maybe the mission field God has called you to is on foreign soil. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not saying it is. Like, like we all go into mission field. Like, you know, like, but what I'm saying is, is I'm saying that God is desiring for us to be committed to the fulfillment of what he's calling us to. He's not just looking for cheerleaders. God's not just looking for people who can get excited about the thing, like who can get excited about the room or who can get decided about the looks or who can get decided about the production or who can get decided, excited about the kids' spaces. He's looking for people who are actually committed to the follow-through of this who are committed to the fulfillment of this, who are committed to what do you want your family to look like 10 years from now? I'm not a planner. You should be. Because what, what do you want your business to look like 10 years from now? What do you want your home to look like 10 years from now? Because what you build now is preparing you for the future that God has. What type of parents do you want to be? The type of parent you will be is often determined and begin to be shaped long before you ever have kids. What are you building right now? And not only what are you building now, but will you be committed to the completion of that thing? Commitment always and forever goes beyond our comfort. Commitment is not about being comfortable. Those of you who are married, you probably understand that. There's some times that you have disagreements in your marriage. You don't sit down every time you and your wife have a disagreement and say, I don't know if I want this marriage to work out. That would be ridiculous. No, you're committed to that marriage. You're committed to resolving the tough conversations. Sometimes it requires some painful moments. Sometimes it requires some moments to look at some things inside of our own heart and life and say, God, is this really me? Is this really me? Is this really who I am in my heart? Do I really think like this? Am I really this self-centered? Commitment isn't comfortable. But if we will be committed to the completion of the purpose that God has for our life, we can step into the moment of knowing that we're building the house that God desires for us to build. Second thing is this. Commitment to completion. Second thing is intentional integrity. If we're going to be persistent in building the house that God has called us to build, we have to have intentional integrity. 
Integrity is not an accident. It's an effort. Integrity in our finances, integrity in our relationships. Integrity is an internal decision of an external position. Say that to you again, because you got to get it. Integrity is an internal decision of an external position. As a husband, you say, look, I'm just not going to ride alone in the car with another woman that is not my wife. It's an internal decision that has external manifestations. doesn't matter how long I've known them. doesn't just, just, is it that big of a deal? Integrity at the end of the day is all we have. It's all we got, man. Because we are the living representation of Christ on this earth. We are a living manifestation of his integrity on this planet. That might mean inside of your job, maybe your current work situation, maybe there's areas you're cutting corners and you know inside of your heart, it's just not integrous. Things. <laughs> I feel like the greatest moment where integrity is challenged is when you're filling out your tax return. You know what I mean? Like, I could claim a couple extra dependents here. Like, you know what I mean? I gave $10,000, like, you know what I mean, to whatever. Like, we, we, it's those moments. It's internal decisions that begin to be manifest externally. It's that I'm going to determine now the life that I'm going to live. There's just certain things I'm not going to watch. Well, that's, that's legalistic. Is it, though? Is it, though? Because if you came to my house and you saw things like in my DVD collection, my wife has quite the sprawling DVD collection. If you saw things inside of my DVD collection that made you uncomfortable, whether you would admit it or not, it would cause you to question my integrity. And it often starts with statements like, I didn't expect you to like that. I, I, didn't, I didn't know you've seen that. Oh, okay. And like, and, you know, it's this moment where it's like, it's weird though, right? Like, well, but, but it, you know, we can say whatever. Well, it doesn't affect me like, I'm like, it doesn't affect me like that. You know, we, we can allow stuff even, and I, I'm not trying to get all legalistic or weird here, like, you know, not trying to invade your space. But what I am trying to say is, is the things that we do matter. The things that we listen to matters. The things that we watch matter. Well, it's okay. It's got a little nudity in it. I married, so, you know, big deal. No, it is a big deal. Because that person is not the person you're married to. If that person was your daughter, you would be uncomfortable with someone else watching that show. I would murder you. <laughs> I'm just telling you. There's a cop over there, but I'm just telling you. I would. Because it's like, no, that's, it wouldn't be okay if it was your, your daughter. But yet it's okay if it's for our entertainment. I'm just seeing it doing our life and the, the promises that we're believing God for. And man, I just believe he's going to move in power and might. That's true. But what he's looking for is he's looking for a vessel that is clean and pure. He's not looking for a vessel that's perfect, but he's looking for a vessel that is clean and pure. You know how you're clean and pure? It's that every single day, like Paul, you said, Lord, crucify my flesh today. And so if we do make a mistake, if we do step into something, we're like, nah, I shouldn't have done that. We're quick to be able to identify it 
and repent of it. It's important. It, it, it is. I, I really, when I was in high school, there was, I used to, uh, I played baseball. And so like, I would, I love, like, you know what I mean? Like how they have kind of like pregame music where you get super hyped up, right? So uh, I used to always, there was this, it's so stupid, but there was this, um, I had this little red truck and uh, I loved this red truck. It was amazing. And, uh, and there was this Linkin Park album that I loved. <laughs> And I would get so fired up because I never had, like, I was never physically dominant. Uh, so I had to be, like, just, like, kind of crazy. Like, that was my, like, in, in every area and facet of life. It was just kind of like, I was never the physically imposing one, so I had to just be, hopefully, the crazy one, and somehow that would pay off. And, uh, and, and what I realized was, is I, I realized that the things that I'm putting into my life were foolish if we believe that they will not be manifest in our life. We're foolish to believe that I can listen to that and it has no effect on me. We're foolish to believe I can watch that and it's not going to cause there to be lust in my heart. We're foolish if we actually believe that. And the reality is, is we don't actually believe it. We just don't want to admit the issue and be willing to make the change that's necessary so that we don't do that. We don't want to have intentional integrity. We just want to hope that someday I'll change. Someday I'll change. God knows my heart. Great. He does. And he knows that you need to change. He knows that I need to change. This isn't a you thing. This is an us thing. Every day, every season, I believe God is wanting to lead us closer in relationship with him. Look, here's the thing that you need to know is that you need to know that your attack is an indication of your advancement. Your attack is the indication of your advancement. Meaning that when you begin to feel the enemy attacking you in your life, it's an indication that you're moving in the right direction. You see it throughout the word time and time again where people begin to come under attack and it was an indication that the thing that they were doing was the very thing that they had been called to. Look at the three Hebrew children. They bowed every day. But they wouldn't bow. They prayed to the Lord every day. And the entire nation was bowing down and they were worshiping this golden calf and they refused to do so. And they begin, to become, they begin to come under attack to the point to where they were thrown in this fiery furnace. The two guards that threw them in were immediately killed because of the heat coming out of this furnace. And here they were standing, walking around inside of this fire. Man, I have to ask myself the question that if they were leading me to that furnace, would I have had the resolve not to break down and bow down at the last moment? Would I have had the integrity to say, if this is the moment that I go, then I go? There's nothing scarier than a person who's not afraid to die. There's nothing scarier to the enemy than a person who's not fearful of death. Take my life. You can have it. The life I live is not for myself anyways. The life I live is for the one who died for me. The greatest thing I could do would be to lay down my life for him. That messes with the enemy because what he wants you to treasure is the things that you can touch. But the only thing that is a real treasure is the things that you can't see. I want our integrity to be intentional. I want us to be an integrous house. I want your home to be an integrous home. This might mean that you have to go home after the service and you have to examine some things inside of your house and say, look, we're, we're going to make some changes as a family. 
I'm not gonna give you a list. We don't have a bullet point for you at the help desk to grab on the way out. If you've got this, that, and the other, you, we're gonna have a, a, you know, a, a burning service tonight. You can bring it in a trash bag and we're, you know, we're gonna burn all your stuff here at the church. Like, I'm not saying that because then at the end of the day, you'll have done it because a man told you to. You know, the greatest thing you could do is go home and say, Lord, is there anything in my life, in my home, in my family, at my job, in my relationships that doesn't exemplify you with integrity? And just allow him to speak. We often don't ask because we don't want to know. Let me give you the third and the final thing and then we're going to close. The third thing is this, is that we're going to be volunteeringly vocal. Volunteeringly vocal. What I mean by that is, is we are going to we are going to be willing to speak up, but not just willing to speak up. We're going to actually volunteer to speak up. We're going to volunteer to be vocal. Look, no one else might say anything. I'll say something. No one else might go. I'll go. No one else might do it. I'll do it. No one else might see the need. I see the need. Volunteeringly vocal. That says, you know what? I'll go. Everybody else might stay. Everybody else might turn and leave. Though you slay me, yet will I praise you. It's that type of response. This is, Lord, I'll go. I'll speak on your behalf. I won't bow. I'll, I'll, I'll give. I'll do whatever I've got to do. God, I'll stay up late. I'll go to bed early. I'll, whatever it is, God, you tell me what you want and I'm there. You tell me who you want. God, I, 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 I am there. Next week, we've got some, some things we're going to be announcing as a church. You're not going to miss next Sunday. It's going to be, it's going to be a big day. Um, we're going to be talking about the Easter season and all the stuff coming up for that. And I'm excited because we have a responsibility to reach people. I refuse to be the type of church that is built on the back of one rather than a community that is willing to believe. If this is built on the backs of one or two or four or eight, we'll never accomplish what God has called us to. But if we will volunteeringly be vocal, which is saying, look, Lord, I see where you've gifted me and I will step forward. I, I, I see what you've done in my life and I will be persistent. I might have to knock once. I might have to knock 10 times. I might have to knock 100 times. But Lord, I will continue until I see you move in my behalf. Lord, I will believe and keep believing. I will speak and I will keep speaking. God, I will continue to go until you begin to meet me right where I am. Isn't that amazing that we serve a God who's willing to let you dig before he ever shows up? He's just crazy enough to let you go before he ever arrives. And often we wait like we want to sit around and say, okay, God, come and lead me by the hand, gentle Lord, to the promised land. And that's what he's desiring to do is, is he's desiring simply for us to begin to move. And as we move and as we go and as you step out and as you begin to be vocal in your life and as you begin to walk in integrity in your life and as you begin to have, be committed to the whole process that God is desiring you to, to building the thing that God wants you to build in your family as a husband, as a wife, as kids, as teenagers, as young adults, as we were committed to this purpose, the purpose that God has placed in your heart, then we'll begin to see God move in power and in might. Worst thing that you could do is to completely rely on me. The greatest thing that you could do 
is completely rely on God. I will let you down. God never will. Your boss will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. Your kids, your circumstances, they'll let you down. But God never will. And if we can have something in our heart that says, Lord, I refuse to remain silent. You've done too much for me to be quiet. I think you can really make the strong argument. That if you're a true follower of Christ, you're not a silent follower of Christ. The band's going to come back up at this time, but I really genuinely believe that. I believe that if we love God like we say we love God, that our mouth won't be shut about it, silent about what he's done in my life. Our lips won't be able to stay silent about what he's done in my life. And there's been points in my life where I have been a mess. Emotionally, mentally. You're not sitting in a room full of perfect people. You are sitting in a room full of people who serve a perfect and blameless God. We have a responsibility. We have a, I don't even know. I don't know if there's a word greater than responsibility to emphasize it. We can't stay silent. The reason is, is because someone you know that I don't know needs it. And you're the closest one to them that can tell them. You're the closest one to them who can speak up and say, you know what? Let me tell you where I was. Evangelism, evangelism is really easy. It's not that you have to, you know, have a, you know, a fake $100 bill that you lay, you know, hand somebody like, have you ever had this? And then flip it open and it's like the Ten Commandments. <laughs> evangelism is about relationship. It's about the ultimate relationship, which was the Father who sent His Son, His only Son, to die on our behalf so that we could be saved. Then it's about the fact that that Son loved us enough that even though he was spotless, had done no wrong, though he'd been tempted with every manner of sin, he never caved, he never never gave in, not once. He freely and willingly laid down his life so that we could be saved. Today, my prayer for you is this, as your pastor. And if this is your first time here with us, Hopefully what you'll feel and experience at Legacy House is you'll experience an environment of people who are genuinely excited about the fact that you are here. We see Sunday as a rallying point for us to gather, to be refilled, to grow, so that we can actually step back into 
the mission field that God has for us on Monday through Saturday. But the greatest thing beyond even that, it's not that you just feel welcome, but that you feel challenged. Challenged to be who God is calling you to be. My responsibility as your pastor, as a pastor, is to equip you and to provoke you to become the person God has placed inside of you. I don't know what obstacles you've faced, what battles you've had to deal with, disappointments you've experienced in your life. Be like the widow who is persistent, who is dedicated, who is determined to fulfill the thing that God was calling her to. She didn't just ask once, she kept asking. She didn't just knock once, she kept knocking. She didn't just seek once, she kept on seeking. She didn't just ask once, she kept on asking. The goal has never been to build a cool church. The goal is to build a New Testament, biblically focused group of people who are hungry to see God build something great in their life. We serve a God who builds. Jesus' primary principle was not just to be a theologian, but he built people. His ministry was only three and a half years. It could have been a lot longer. If he had just wanted to wax eloquent and tell us all the things and show off all the miracles, he wanted to be here long enough to pour what he had into the life of others so that they can then replicate it generation after generation after generation. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You can find more info and resources from Legacy House on our website, www.legacyhouse.life or by following us on social media under the handle at Legacy House FL. Don't miss next week's podcast from our house to yours.